another parable, another kingdom story. First shall be last, last shall be first. Two things we need to know as we get started here. The first is this. This kingdom story, this parable is connected with what Jesus was just saying just before in Matthew 19. Matthew 19 had the disciples together and there was a rich young ruler who came to to Jesus and said, what all do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And so then Jesus kind of had the conversation with the rich young ruler and the rich young ruler said, I can't do that. He walks away. The disciples then look at Jesus and Peter says to Jesus, said, hey, we've done all that. We've left everything. We've been following you. And basically says, what's in it for me? What do we get? What do I get for being with you this long? And this is what Jesus says to him. He says, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or child or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And then we hear this kingdom story, right? Just to give you some background onto that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. This story just doesn't sit well, does it? Let's just acknowledge that right here in the very beginning. It just doesn't sit well. Because it's troubling. It's inconsistent. It doesn't seem fair. And we've seen inconsistencies and things that trouble us across the years that we have wanted to correct. In the late 19th and early 20th century, we saw kids working in, la- uh, in laboring in industries and fields for who knows what kind of hours and unkind, unseen and un- horrible conditions. Here more recently, we see pay discrepancies as women make 79 cents compared to men making a dollar for the same job. And so we have trade unions and collective bargaining agreements and equal pay acts. Because at the root of these things, they are meant to help curve and stave off abuse, to help make sure that working conditions are fair, that pay is fair, that benefits are fair. But that's not what this parable is. This parable is not equal work for equal pay. No, this parable is equal pay for different work. That's what doesn't sit well with us. That's what is troubling. And so as we look at the early morning worker, they let their grievance be known. Look at everything I have done. Look how I have been slaving away in the scorching sun. Look at what I have done for you. This is unfair. 
They got paid, so that's not what's unfair. They knew what they signed up for at the beginning of the day. That's not what's unfair. No, what's unfair is that there is a group of people who they feel are getting the same that they're getting for less. That's what they say is unfair. N.T. Wright observed that he said, and they might have a grievance, especially that the later in the day these workers are, that the people who are hired later in the day, that there's a reason they weren't hired in the beginning. They've got a knock against them. They have something against them that says, why should I hire them? It could be a skill that they're lacking, a gift that they're lacking, something about them that's, that the owner looks at, other owners would say, you're unhirable. You're undesirable. That's why they're still sitting in the marketplace. Nobody wants them. So when these earlier morning workers see this, and they see the same pay, that's when they throw their, what about us? Aren't we entitled to more? Aren't we owed something more? And this type of mindset, this is the human economy mindset that says, I owe, am owed more. I am entitled. And this type of mindset has crept into even our culture today. You look around at different workplaces, different environments, and what do we say? What's the kind of the mindset? If I work harder, if I work longer, if I have more skills, more gifts, better position, more privilege, I am owed more. Look how long I have been working. Don't they recognize that? Why are they getting the accolades and nothing more is being said about me? It's athletes who are leaving sports teams after a certain amount of years that they've been put into a team and they're saying, I am owed a championship, right? I've put my time in here. I am owed a bonus. I am entitled. And this creeps in even, not in our workplaces, not just in our workplace, but also creeps in in our relationship with God. How long have I been praying to you, Father? How long have I been reading my Bible? How long have I been engaging in these spiritual disciplines? How many times do I give to the poor? Look how many building campaigns I've been a part of. Look how long I, I listen and sing the church music. That mindset even starts to sound like another parable kingdom story we 
have heard once or twice perhaps before, one called the parable of the prodigal son, where the younger son leaves and squanders off, father gives, returns all the same wealth, and the older son comes back and says, hey, what about me? What about me is the human economy way of looking at things. What we do and what we earn, that is how we should go about life. Now the owner, he says it's different. He says it's a different economy. One author who wrote on this parable said that the human economy way of doing things at this time frame would have had a Roman landowner who had done exactly the same thing that Jesus was illustrating. He would go back and he would hire a group of workers in the beginning of the day to work on his field. And he would continue to do, again, same practice, and he would hire throughout the day workers at that time. But it was also the human economy of things, the traditional way done, that the Roman landowner would have paid less and less and less as the day went on. And so, as the disciples are hearing this, all of a sudden, they're, like, they're tracking, they're like, okay, yep, that makes sense, that's how it's done here, Roman landowners, yep, they would hire people throughout the day, yep, I see that, but all of a sudden they go, whoa! They get the same amount? They get the same amount for the one who's been doing this for, since the beginning of the day? And here's the beauty of this full amount. It's not based on anything else other than the fact that the owner said, you're in the vineyard working for me and you're in the vineyard working for me and you'll get the same. You'll get the same. And that amount that amount we heard, a wage of a dollar, other versions say a denarius, the amount that that actually equals is probably about just a, a day's wage. This wasn't equal to like they got paid for a whole week. This was just a day's wage. So really what Jesus is saying is that they got enough to sustain them for the day. So both groups, the early in the day work workers and the later in the day workers, they both were sustained. Yet the human economy says, that's unfair. And the owner comes back. And he says, friend, how is this unfair? Can't I do with what is mine what I want? And what I want to do is to give them money. Can't I do with what is mine what I want? Or let me put it another way. God favors who he wants to favor. God favors who he wants to favor. 
I want you to catch this quote. John Nolan, he said, God is free to do what he wishes. And what he wishes to do is to put everybody on equal footing. Did you catch that? God is free to do what he wishes. And what he wishes to do is to put everybody on equal footing. What God is saying, what the parable is doing is that the undeserving, by the grace of God, are being raised to a place of equality. Not because of anything they have done, not because of anything that is owed to them, not because of what their works afford them, not because of what their race or gender says, because of by the grace of this God that we serve, that we love, he puts them on equal ground. And it is a gift. It is a gift what he is doing. Look what James says. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. Every gift. Everybody is on the same playing field. This isn't just first shall be last, last shall be first, and flipping the hierarchy. No, this is just straight up eliminating it. It's done. <laughs> and, the, and by giving both the same, the owner's not saying one dollar and I'll split it all between you. doesn't say you get a dollar, you get less. It's a gift and a promise. It's a promise. When you are with the owner of the vineyard, you're going to get more than you thought. And you're going to get what was promised and what you need. It's not an or. It's a straight statement. You get what is promised and what is needed. And you'll get more than you thought you ever would. It's not fair. And thank God that it's not fair. Amen. But it's right. So disciples, again, they're the first, they were the ones who are hearing this. As they're hearing this story, perhaps they're realizing that there are going to be some who come after them that Jesus was talking about. The prostitutes, the tax collectors, those that we hear in the gospel stories that were coming after the disciples even started following. And then as we read in the epistles, 
as the Jews were leaving everything and following Christ, all of a sudden this group called the Gentiles started following, and they realized, wait, they're also following Christ. They must be the later-in-the-day workers. Look what Romans says. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised and uncircumcised by the same faith. We could even change it to say, is the landowner, is the owner of the vineyard just the, just the owner for the early workers? Is he not the owner for the late and the day workers? And here's the brilliance of this. We, too, are later-in-the-day workers. Do we not enjoy the same benefits that the early church did? Do we not have access to the same grace and mercy that our church fathers and mothers did? We are late-in-the-day workers. We get more than we ever thought we would ever get. That's a game-changer. That is a kingdom mindset that Christ is calling us to. But you see, this is this is the beauty and the frustration of kingdom stories like this one, of parables that Christ tells. Right? We heard the story. We heard what happened. We heard what the landowner said to the workers. And then what happens? It just stops. We don't know. We like endings, right? We like things to actually kind of tie it up with a nice bow and just be told. We want to know, well, how did the late in the day worker respond? What did the early morning worker do? Did, was their life changed? Did they go to the altar repenting of, of their attitude? We don't know. He ends his parable the same way he started it. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Basically telling the disciples, go and discuss it. Go and figure it out. So that's what we're going to do. Let's figure this out. Because there's probably more routes, but to me this morning it seems like there's two ways that we can go. We can go the what about me route. The route that says, even after hearing a story like this, even after hearing how God is leveling the playing field, even after hearing how God is trying to raise up those that don't deserve to a place of equality. Even after hearing the right that God is doing, the what about me still cries foul. The what about me still looks even after this story and still says, I am entitled. 
And I fear what is taking root are attitudes of anger, envy, jealousy, malice. towards both God and our fellow man. Because the more that we say, what about me, the less we can hear God saying, what about them? What about them looks outside of themselves? What about them looks at what they have and what others have or don't have? We don't know the response of the late-in-the-day worker, do we? We don't, we don't know how the late-in-the-day worker responded when they were given their wage. Now, we can imagine. We can imagine that it was probably one of great joy. We can imagine that they were probably even like dumbfounded that they would even receive this great gift. But I have a feeling they also walked away content and joy-filled. They walked away with a deeper sense of appreciation of what they received and gratefulness to the one who gave it. Have you ever met a generous person? We have a few in our church. And I'm not talking about generosity in the sense of generous with finances, skills, gifts, and I'm not talking about that kind of generosity. I'm talking about a generosity as in they are generous in their spirit. They are the kind of person that says, look at everything that I have. They're the kind of person that says, look at what everybody else has. They're the kind of person that says, oh, you want me to work? Wow. You noticed me? Because they recognize, they recognize that every gift that they have comes purely from the generosity of God. It is not out of anything that they have earned, but purely out of the promise that God gives to them. They also recognize that every grace and mercy and gift that God gives to others does not come at their expense. They're not missing out when somebody else receives. They are content. They are full of joy. And they are generous. They are generous in celebrating with others when they receive. That when somebody else gets the win, they're the first one to start clapping. That when somebody else gets the compliment, they are the biggest cheerleader. 
When somebody else is being wronged, they are the first ones to cry foul. And they can do that because they realize that everything that God gives is not is based purely in our relationship with him. Look at Galatians. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That, that is the kingdom mindset that Christ is calling us to. It's not fair. And thank God it's not fair. But it is right. It is right. It is right. 